All right, today we are concluding our disciple series. As you heard, we'll be preaching in shorts, through shorts uh, next week. We'll kick that off. And the shorter the book, the shorter the shorts is the... Uh, I don't know how that's going to go down. Mike, you're preaching on the shortest book of the Bible, I think. It's going to be so amazing. Yeah, Sedwina's got a pair for you, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so yeah, I am I'm excited. If I haven't met you yet, my name is Vic, and I have the privilege of leading the team that leads this church. And uh, today I'm going to read from Acts chapter 2, so if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. But before we read, a quick little story. Um, last year, uh, middle of last year, uh, our family actually, we were in Zimbabwe for a weekend doing ministry in a church there, church plant there. And so the, the one night... Uh, my wife and I, we were hosting uh, a marriage kind of seminar. We just spoke on, on marriage to a group of couples. And we were getting to know couples beforehand, meeting certain people, you know, meet and greet, get to know them, get their names, they ask you stories. You know, why are you out here? Some of you may know I, I like to run. <laughs> here we go again. So anyway, I was, telling, I was telling the guy that, you know, I just run my first ultra marathon, which was the Comrades Marathon. It's between two cities. It's 90 kilometers. This person was actually from that part of South Africa, uh, and so he had grown up there. Um, if you're in South Africa, you know, you know what I'm talking about in terms of this particular race. So he, he said, oh, comrades. He's like, I've also done it. And of course, myself, uh, as a first-time comrades runner, it's always great to meet another comrade, as we call them. So I naturally said, well, great. Tell me about your experience. And so he then uh, proceeded to describe what sounded like a very casual multi-day relay run with a group of friends vaguely following the course and telling me each of these individuals kind of tapped out after about 10 kilometers of running. So as he's telling the story, myself and some of the other people standing around us, we just realized this is not the same thing as what I did, which is run 90 kilometers continuously on one single day on my own, you know, of course, with other people for, for 10, and a, 10 hours and change, 10 hours and 50 minutes. He was describing that he had been, you know, he said, no, I've done the comrades too, but the way that he did it and the way that I did it is not the same thing. Okay. It, it was a very apparent. And so often when I speak to people about church, when they tell me, oh, no, I'm part of this church, and I'm like, okay, tell me about it, and then they explain to me what it's like to be part of their church, I'm also just thinking, nah, I don't think we're talking about the same thing here. I don't think you're all in, all right, which is the, 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 um, the title today of our message is All In. I'm going to, of course, speak a little bit about baptism, some of those that are decided to publicly say I'm all in in terms of following Jesus, but our Disciple series also talks about aspects of following Jesus, and today in particular, what it looks like to be all in in terms of being part of a church community as a follower of Jesus. So won't you read with me Acts chapter 2, we're going to read from verse 41 to 47. It'll be up on the screen too. So it says, and just a bit of context here, um, the Holy Spirit had just fallen upon the early disciples and they are preaching to the crowd, the masses that is gathered in Jerusalem, telling them about the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. And so verse 41, this is Peter who was speaking. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul. 
and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is God's word. Lord, would you help me as I'm preaching, as I'm speaking about this subject? Holy Spirit, we need you to take these verses and make them alive uh, for us, to us. And we ask that they would change us, that we would be different as a result of listening to you and your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Recently, I also had to uh, fix up a new used car. Um, our old car uh, gave up the ghost, and so we've got a new one. It's an old new one, but it's it's new to us. And uh, as I've gone around to um, to various places, kind of making adjustments to this vehicle so that it can be legal and transferred into my name, quotes included statements like, "Out the door." Yeah, if you've been ever to the Canadian Tire, and they, you know you ask for something, and the guy tells you, "Right, it'll cost you X amount." Out the door. What that means is that everything is included all the hidden costs i've put it all together and the amount i'm giving you is the out the door amount like there's no surprises on the other side some of you guys you're going i know exactly what you mean girls are like what is he talking about i don't know what's going on here um and even as we moved to canada initially uh, eight nine years ago we um we took a while to get used to the fact that tax was not included in the price that's printed so you know you get to the till and you're like all right you take out your money you're like wait a minute this is like 13 percent more because South Africa, they kind of leave it. It's all in. It's out the door price on, on the actual items, and you don't get any surprises at the till. And the reason I'm telling you that story is because I think Acts chapter 2, verse 41 to 47 is an all-in version of what it means to belong to a church. All right. What it means to be committed to a church family, Acts 2, 41 to 47, I think sums it up pretty amazingly. And I just want to be clear over here. Number one, I, I want you to realize that it's technically possible to be a Christian and not to be in a church. So when I'm speaking about this today, I'm not saying actually you can't be a Christian and not be in church. You can in fact be a Christian and not be in church. Jesus does not save anybody on the basis of their attendance record. All right, that's not how it works. It's a grace gift. We've sung about it. We've talked about it in our confession. This is the gospel, is that it's unrelated to your performance. When the Lord saves you, He doesn't look at how well you behave and go, mm, I think you've made it. No. Actually, it's all about Jesus' perfect record that gets credited to you. So in other words, Jesus is, you know, He was very committed to the synagogues. You know, he, 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 you got His church record attendance. Before it was church, as we call it, it was synagogue. And His perfect attendance record, you and I get. Okay, so I want to make it clear, it is possible to be a Christian and not go to church or be a part of a church. But if that's true, you can also be in a church and not be a Christian. Okay, I just have to say that maybe you're a guest and you thought, oh, that's how it works. You go to church and therefore you are a Christian. No, in fact, you can go to church your whole life and not be a Christian because to be a Christian means that you believe that Jesus saved you and your faith in what he has done for you is what makes you a Christian. And the outworking of that is the point I'm trying to make today is that you find yourself in a Christian community, in a church. Okay, but I want to make that clear. Sometimes Christians don't go to church. I think it's second prize. I'm making my case today. But sometimes people go to church and they think they're Christians and that's not true either. Okay. In fact, 
here at City Gates, we love for non-Christians to attend our church. Because here at our church, we explain what the gospel is. We've done it a few times already. We, in the hope that actually, eventually, you will become a Christian if you find yourself attending our church. Maybe with the wrong premise that you are a Christian as a result of that. You hear the gospel and you go, oh, it doesn't work that way. And you put your faith in Jesus. Okay. So that's, uh, that's my first ramble. Secondly, I, I want to put a, a slide up onto, um, onto the screen. And for me, this is something that we've been working on as we think about membership here in our church. And it's really just a really terrible illustration of a wall. Okay. So... Um, the line is the soil, and underneath that would be under the ground, and then, you know, the blocks at the top, just imagine them to be bricks. I know it's bad. It's the best I could do with Keynote. All right. So, so for, you know, my, my understanding, so, you know, up at the bottom here represents the foundations, foundations we put under the ground, in the ground, and then, you know, it's a building or a wall all the way up. And Christianity 101 for me are those key ingredients at the bottom there, okay? And actually, it's amazing that when we read Acts chapter 2, verse 41, you find all those ingredients in those first two verses. In verse 41, it says, and so those who receive the word, again, there's the gospel. In order to be a Christian, you don't achieve salvation, but you receive it. It's a grace gift. It's a free gift. And as Peter was declaring who Jesus is and what he's done, people received it. They received the word. In other words, they believed the gospel. They said, yeah, I, I, I believe. I need a savior. I can't achieve my salvation. Someone did it for me. Thank you, Jesus. I take it. I receive it. Okay, so they received the word. They believed it. And then it says, all those who received his word were baptized. That was the second one. Verse 40, you know, it's like a couple of words in one verse, and you see believing the gospel and baptism was a, an obviously a next step because baptism is an outward sign on the outside, everybody sees of what's taken place already on the inside. We don't believe that baptism saves you. We believe that Jesus saves you. And baptism is a public declaration of that reality, of what God has done on the inside. I actually just want to read Romans chapter 6. Because let's use the Bible to explain it, right? That's, that's, that's the best. Romans chapter 6, verse 4 says this. We were buried, therefore, with him, Jesus, by baptism into death in order that just as Jesus was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. And so there's the explanation of what happens when we go down and when we come up. When we go down, we identify with the death of Jesus, that he died in my place and therefore I respond to him. I die to self. And when we come up out of the water, it's resurrection life. Just as he was raised from the dead, I'm raised to new life again. It's, it's in a beautiful picture. It's like the wedding ring symbolizing the marriage that took place. And so believe, baptism, and then it says, what does it say after that? It says, they received the word, they were baptized, and they were added that day. Okay, so immediately the next thing is they belong. They belong to a church. And it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And so there was devotional life. They heard the scriptures. I would imagine they read the scriptures. It says they were devoted to prayer. And for me, that is Christianity 101. That's, we're not even talking about partnering or, or being a member of a church. That's Christianity 101. And they are foundational because often some of these ingredients are missing, okay, in people's lives. And then they start to build on top of it with other things. Oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. And, they, you know, they don't, go to, they don't get baptized. They don't you know, obey Jesus over there. And they don't read their, their Bible. And, and, and so they start to do all other things. And what happens when you build, upon a, a, a build a wall upon a broken foundation? Does it last? It doesn't stick up. It, fall, it crumbles. It comes down. 
And so that brings me to that next sort of section, which I think is as you grow in your maturity, you, you know, you, you, the Bible uses the picture of us being a building, you know, a, a temple of the Lord. So let's just say this is the temple wall, okay? And as you, as you grow, um, church partnership, these are the key ingredients of what it means to be a member. Or I, would, I use the word partner just because it's, it's, uh, it's, it's a better description of that relationship that we have with our church community. And so... Um, a few things about the 101 still. Again, those are targets that churches should aim at for non-Christians. We want people who don't follow Jesus to get the foundations right, okay? And it's sad that actually some churches are fighting hard to get these right, things right for their members. <laughs> it's like just to get people to read the Bible <laughs> regularly. I mean, it's, that, that's things, things you should do as a byproduct, as a result of having met with Jesus in view of his mercies. You say, what should I do next, Lord? But our membership criteria, this is actually ours as a church. It's pretty simple. You can see them. It's five blocks. And the first one, you know, bottom left there is we submit willingly. So if you're a member of this church, we ask that you would submit willingly to the leaders of this church, the elders and the deacons, the community group leaders, serving team leaders, whatever responsibility and delegated authority they have. We're asking that you would submit to them. The Bible uh, talks about the, the good there is in terms of um, obeying your leaders and submitting to those that are over you in the Lord. It's very exciting on August 6th. A couple of weeks from now, we are going to be setting new elders in place, new pastors in place over here. Our leadership team is growing as we're going to bring on uh, Brian, Justin, and Corey. Very excited about that. So August 6th is a big date in our calendar. Make sure you're there as well. We are growing our leadership team, our pastoral team. Well, that's the first one, submitting willingly to leadership. The second one is, um, uh, well, actually more connected to the leadership is leadership's job is to set the doctrine to make sure that we teach the scriptures here that we don't go off track we are the ones that set the mission of this church what's the mission of this church the manifesto Helping people find and follow Jesus, absolutely. And it's not just the doctrine that we teach, not just the mission that we have, but the values that we hold dear. You guys know what our values are as well. It's the we are statements, the we are documents. Don't worry, I'm not going to quiz you on that right now. Um, but you should know it, you know what I'm saying. And, uh, and we're asking as leaders, what does it mean to sub submit willingly? Is that you, when you say this is my church community, you... Um, you're not divisive in a sense where you're going, I don't agree with that. And you just make it your job to try and convince people otherwise. Or even if you don't like certain things that we do, you dislike it. It's not according to your taste. We just say, if, you, if this is your church, don't make those issues points of contention in that sense. So um, number one, submit willingly. Number two, it's a no-brainer, but it's attend regularly. It really helps when you show up, okay? So Sundays, uh, prayer times, community groups. We're not a church with a fat calendar, really. We're trying to keep our calendars open so you could be on mission out there where God has called you to live, work, and play. But the times we do call you to come and meet with us, we ask that you make that regular, to show up consistently. And here's the problem with showing up uh, or not showing up. Often when people stay away one week, they don't come the second week. They don't come the third week. You know what happens? They feel incredibly lonely and neglected, like no one's noticed. I'm going, but you know what the problem is with us? We're only picking up on the vibe. It's like been three weeks. I'm going, have you seen uh, so-and-so? And at that stage, so-and-so already feels completely rejected and, and, and uh, 
cast away by the community, but we're just slow to catch on because we often measure it by sort of these key moments when we come together, and we're just human. Every, you know, and it, eventually we realize someone's missing, and by the time we realize you're missing, you've, you think we've turned our back on you. It's not true. So I, you know what fixes that? Just consistent showing up. It really does help. <laughs> Serving practically is the third one. So it's more than just showing up. That's the thing. Get onto a serving team so that actually you are needed here. Serve on the kids. I love that the dads are starting to serve alongside the moms. We've made that executive decision that the moms are no longer the ones only serving in the kids' ministry. Daddies, you're joining them. How's life? Huh? Life's good. I know some of you dads aren't here because you're serving right now. I don't know. But um, hey, we've got stuff to do. We're a family. We've got to wash dishes. We've got to set the table. We've got to cook a meal. Um, and so serving practically on our Sunday teams, our events, that's one of the ways that you work out your membership here. The third one is to be community. So I want to say, I want to say be in community because actually being in community, it kind of sounds like, oh, they'll do the job. I'll just join in. To be community is saying, I'm also going to make this a family. So of course we have our community groups, but it's hanging out beyond that. I love hearing, the, I love hearing about the Sunday I missed last week, how afterwards everybody uh, I think you planted the idea, I believe. But everybody walked to the ice cream store and had ice cream together as a church. You know, that's a, that's a beautiful thing. That's what it means to be community. Keep doing that. Practice hospitality. I want to commend Brett and Jess who've opened up their home again. And we could all have a pool party there on uh, Canada Day. That's what it means to live out their membership, saying our house is your house. Our fridge is your fridge. I don't know if we took it that far, but it was close. You know, it's... Uh, it's the beautiful thing. Like, like I said, our car broke a couple of weeks ago, and it was so wonderful that many city gators have you know, helped us out, said, oh, use my car for a week while we figure things out. That's being community. That's being family. We have a one another charter. You can download it from our website. It goes through all the one another commandments in the scripture. If you don't know how to be community, just read those verses and implement them. It's pretty simple. And then the last one is give financially. We we don't always spend long sermons preaching about it. We do a quick little plug in our announcements, and that's it. Because we know that when God moves you and you understand how generous He's been to you, you find yourself digging your hands in your pockets. And, 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 uh, and even when we're baptizing, we're not saying to people, you know, keep your, keep your, keep your wallet out the water and just, you know, you just can touch everything but not my finances. When, when you say I'm all in, you're all in, everything. And so the way that we give, we've preached the whole sermon on it. I just want to remind you is we first of all give willingly and joyfully. No one's going to twist your arm. I'm not going to make you. There's no gun to your head to give you. You just keep your eyes on Jesus and I know he'll do the work. But let him do the work in you, in your heart. because So you can give joyfully and willingly, not under compulsion. We give regularly. In other words, as soon as funds come in, generosity kicks in. We, that's why we also give sacrificially, because we, we give first. We don't live our lives and see what's left at the end of the month. That's not giving sacrificially. That's quite safely, actually. It's giving first, trusting the Lord that even if at the end of our month there's not a lot of money left, I've honored the Lord with my first fruits. And we give proportionately. We follow the principles of the Scripture. I'd say 10% is a good one to aim at, but grace probably pushes us even beyond that. But those are the five things. Submit willingly, attend regularly, serve practically, be community, and give financially. So my question to you is, City Gators, how do you know, or how do we know, whether you are in or out in terms of partnering, being a member of this church? Simple. You score five out of five. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I don't know what else to say. <laughs> you know? 
Maybe you've got a ways to go. I don't know. But if you want to, with integrity, say, yeah, this is my church, you should be able to say, I score five out of five. It's as simple as that. These are measurable targets. None of this stuff is like, mm, I'm not too sure. How do we know if you attend regularly? I've got no idea. No, we do. We actually have a team that counts you at the end of the day, and we have conversations as elders about who shows up and who doesn't. <laughs> not because we're legalists. It's for your good. It's for your benefit. We know who serves. We actually know who gives. We do. So it's pretty simple. Five out of five. Anyone can attend this church. Anyone can attend this church. You can disagree with Jesus. You are welcome to come here and drink our coffee. Okay? It's totally fine. Sit in here, sing our songs. Anyone can attend this church. But membership or partnership, friends, that means something. It's not just for anyone. It is for believers, people who are Christians, that have committed to say, I'm willing to do those things. I often make this joke, you know, there's three types of people in church. There's attenders, there's members, and then there's pretenders, okay? And I don't use it, it's a joke, okay? It's a joke. I'm not calling some of you pretenders. But attenders, everyone can attend. Members, we've just said it's that kind of tier over there, that's what it looks like. And then, you know, the joking term of a pretender is somebody that I just think, they've got to read Acts 2.42 again, okay? Somebody who's forgotten. Again, so let's get back to the, to the scriptures. That's what it looks like to be all in into a Christian community. I do believe it's biblical, so I'm going to run through a, a few things just in terms of the biblical foundation for, for this, biblical basis. We've already seen in Acts chapter 2, there's a numerical record. They said people were added. That's an added as a mathematical term. It says that later on 3,000 were added. They did count, okay? They had a numerical record. Uh, the, the, in 1 Timothy chapter 5, there is a criteria for who should be on the widow's list. So they had, the church had a list with people's names on there and you know, women's names, widows whose husbands have passed away and who didn't have a family and those were the ones that the church were able to support. Um, Romans chapter 16, Paul just lists a whole bunch of names of people that were actually part of a church. He said this person from that, from that church or the church in their house, they knew who were in and who were out. Acts chapter 6, we see they selected and they elected leaders from within themselves to lead them as a gathered community. It wasn't just like a crowd, some random crowd that kind of moved around. They, they, they were organized in many ways, organized together, elected and selected leaders. There was accountability in place for those said leaders. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17, those leaders will give an account for the people that are entrusted to them. In other words, they know who those people are. <laughs> And this is maybe a negative point, but the scripture talks about disciplining people in a church who persist in unrepented sin. And, you know, they've done everything to win them over. They've brought others with, they've, with, they've pleaded with them. And if they still remain unrepented, the Bible says you excommunicate them. You put them out. I'm just saying that to show the logic is if you can put them out, you can put them in. <laughs> okay. You can be in a church. And if, you know, if you turn your back on Jesus and... You can be put out of that, that church that you were put into. <laughs> Most of the epistles open up by to the church in that region, in that place. Most of the New Testament teaching, teachings can only be practiced unless you're a member of a local church. I know, love, you're going to try and get me a bit of water or not. No, you don't have to. I thought you were laughing at me mispronouncing the word, and that's okay. Yeah, blame your daughter. Blame your daughter. She was laughing, and the daughter's like, no, 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 sister was laughing. And then she's like, it's my brother. And then the next is Mike's fault. It's all Mike's fault. Or in the end, it always comes back to Mike. Yeah. And then there's the, <laughs> then there's the, um, 
All right, stay with me, stay with me. Thank you. And then there's the image of marriage and family that the Bible uses to describe us and parts of a body. A healthy marriage, a healthy family, and a healthy body knows which parts are which and, and, uh, and who, who's a part of what. All right, that's just how it works. In fact, it depends upon the members of the family, the members of, thank you, my love, the members of the marriage and the members of the body. But here's the thing. 2,000 years later, 2,000 years after Acts chapter 2, I tell you, individualism has really messed things up a little bit. Where we are in our cultural moment, man, it's made things, this particular thing, quite a bit tougher than it used to be. Because attending church, not even joining a church, I think, is so largely based on compatibility these days. When people consider a church, do I like this? Do I dislike that? You know, um, And taste and personal dislikes are, are, are factored in to whether they should commit to a community. And these are not great reasons, friends, to stay away. Often what makes us uncomfortable in a church community is precisely the thing that God's going to use to sanctify you. And so if you're just going to choose the path of least resistance, you might not find yourself changing as God wants you to change. And so commitment matters actually way more than compatibility when it comes to church attending. Uh, Brett McCracken, he's, um, he's actually one of the leaders in our advanced movement. I think he writes for the Gospel Coalition. He, he, he writes and he warns about uh, church Commitment, excuse me, saying, don't confuse discomfort with dysfunction. That's sometimes what happens, is we're uncomfortable and we say, oh, this church is dysfunctional. No, you're dysfunctional, actually, if you think, because you're just tapping out when it gets really difficult. Church should not have to fit us or fit you, because the Bible says you're a living stone. And how do living stones work? You fit a living stone into a wall. You don't, you don't ask the church to, to fit you. Sadly, um, this theologian, David Wells, he, he writes about this outlook that people have, this individualistic outlook. And he says that means theology, theology becomes therapy eventually. That's, that's how we see it. It's, uh, therapy is all about actually how my happiness, you know. And so we substitute righteousness uh, with happiness. Does it make me happy? You know, we, we substitute truth with feelings. How does it make me feel? That's, that's how this stuff has crept into even our choosing a church. It's like, does it work for me? And, and sometimes it's the other side. It's like we realize, man, I'm really gifted. I'm really gifted. And then we shop around for a church that would act like an agency for us that would get us out there, our giftings out there. You use the church like an agency. Actually, our gifts are given to us in order to serve the church. The Bible actually says you're, in fact, are Jesus' agent. You should get his word out. You should use the church as your agent to get your gift out there and it's as a platform. Okay, you guys still with me? Good. So, as I said, today, I think a commitment to commitment has certainly dwindled. You know, we, we talked a little bit about just how cult, the trajectory of culture of the last 40 years in terms of commitments in marriage. You know, we've talked about that a couple of weeks ago with uh, no-fault divorce being a kind of a normal, normal thing. And then you fast forward that all the way to the terrible stereotypes. I'm not going to mention any names about generations, but, you know, stereotypes about generations that carry commitment phobia as a trademark for who they are. It, you know, it's just, it's the, it's the air we breathe at, at this moment. There's, there's commitment phobia all around us. And so I want to look at two things. Number one, I want to look at Jesus's commitment to the church. Because that's who we take our cues from. Let's look at Jesus' commitment to the church. The Bible tells us that 
marriage is used as a metaphor for Jesus and his church. His bride is what it calls it. And so it is of significant importance, this metaphor, because it helps us make sense of what commitment for us should look like. It means that we're not a hobby of Jesus. You know, it's like a little side gig, you know, the church, this thing he does on the side, you know, while he reigns and rules the universe. No, he marries us, his people. We're his bride. And, And then there's the image of the body, where Jesus is quite happy to associate with the body by saying, I'm the head. I'm, 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 but you recognize I'm associated with this body. If people say, who's this body? They see Jesus. Jesus is quite happy to associate to that extent with his church, that he would call us his body. And if he's the head and we're the body, that's one flesh language as well. If you think about marriage, to become the head and the body, I think it's one, one flesh is how it works. Last time I checked, heads are pretty tightly connected to bodies. I think that's how it ought to be. We've got some medical professions here. Just can I get a thumbs up, please? Thank you. I can confirm that that is in fact true. And Jesus is saying, I'm the head of this body. And unfortunately today, we hear a lot about my personal relationship with Jesus, you know. And Christianity sometimes is diminished just to like how you, you and your relationship with Jesus. And actually that means there's a massive disconnect between two theological terms coming away. Soteriology, the doctrine of salvation, and ecclesiology, the doctrine of the church. We disconnect those two. It's just about Jesus saving me from my sin and coming to change my life. But actually, he also puts you into a family, into a body. Maybe I'm going to stretch this union with Christ reality a little far. We've got a couple of theologians here, so you can slap me on the wrist when we're done. Okay, but I'm just going to go with this a little bit. Union with Christ. I mean, that's a, that's a loaded theological reality, all right? It's an amazing thing. Is that all the, we benefit from what Christ has done for us because we are in Jesus. We're sons of the... I mean, there's so many things. But couldn't it be that belonging to a church, in other words, belonging to Jesus' body, is actually a part of this incredible benefit of union with Christ? Because this is how the logic goes. If Jesus is the head of a body... You should be a body part to be connected to Jesus. You get it? Huh? The, uh, the theologian said, Amen. I'm going to just rest my case. Okay. <laughs> and so, friends, with those realities describing the church, they should not, they should not come out of our mouths. mouths. I love Jesus, but I don't like his church. This shouldn't be what Christians say. I love Jesus, but I hate the church. No, I'm so sorry. Newsflash for some of you there. Jesus, based on his commitment to the church, very likely, likely attends the church that you said you don't want to be belong, belong to. That's a reality. You said, I'm not going to go to that church. Newsflash, Jesus probably goes to that church. <laughs> okay. He's committed to the church. Therefore, we should be too. Number two, our commitment, therefore, to the church. As we read through Acts chapter 2, verse 40. 2 to 47. I mean, it is a beautiful description. But friends, it's a challenging one, isn't it? What those people did with one another and, and to one another, you know, in, in love and commitment to Jesus. It's, it's an amazing picture, amazing description of Christian community. And yes, Jesus will one day marry us. It says he's the bridegroom. Jesus is coming back for the church's bride. But I think in, until then, he's asking you and I to marry a Christian community. That's, that's, that's what it should feel like for us. 
Because I believe that God's church, Jesus' church, is part of the bride preparation process. He gets you ready for Him marrying you by asking you to marry His people and preparing them, committing to them. You're part of the sanctifying process of the Holy Spirit at work in a community. And you know, if we just stick with the marriage analogy, I think it's Alan Frau who says, we just marry suitable strangers in reality. When we eventually said, okay, I'm, I want to commit to you. There's a whole bunch of things I didn't know about Tanya that I discovered on the other side of I do. Okay? It's a fact. You can never know that person 100%. You know, it's like a Google research spree. You know what it's like eh, when you research something on Google. It's eventually you just have to stop because you, you can keep learning about that subject or about the options that are out there. And eventually you have to go, look, this is, gonna, this is taking longer than actually purchasing the thing I'm researching. I'm just going to have to settle with the amount of data I have right now. That's good enough. Sometimes that's how marriage works. Is you get to know someone, you like them, and you're like, look, I'm going to just go for it. <laughs> okay. And I think that's, that's kind of what it's like to choose a church. Because <laughs> you choose a spouse and then you stick with your choice no matter what. That's what happens. Ups and downs, sickness and health, for better or for worse. And it's because you choose the covenant over your comfort. Because it gets uncomfortable in marriage, but you have covenanted to stay with that person. And so the church, my friends, is a for better or for worse family. And in that, there's two pictures. For better or for worse, there's the sense you marry a community. And it's a family because here's the other reality. Is that the Bible calls you guys brothers and sisters. It's one big dysfunctional family, but it is a family you can't escape. That is our commitment to church. We marry her. We say, for better or for worse, this is my family. Brothers and sisters. That's the level of commitment that Jesus asks of us. And to detach yourself, like many do today, from organized religion as a Christian, thinking it's so revolutionary. Friends, it's not subversive. It's actually quite mainstream to detach yourself from organized things. It's quite safe. It's quite boring. It's actually quite culturally normal. My short answer to you is this, meh. If you're like, ah, you know, I want to follow Jesus, I need to just, you're not revolutionizing anything. You're actually just towing the line. You're, is that how you say it? You're just, you're just going along with the stream of culture. But Jesus is asking us to swim upstream. And that means saying yes to a community, even a community like city gates. Jesus asks us for our whole lives. We often say, oh man, this thing demands a pound of flesh. Jesus doesn't demand his pound of flesh. He demands all of your flesh. <laughs> every single kilogram, every milligram. Are there are they units like that in pounds? Like tiny units every ounce is that it okay <laughs> every ounce of flesh he demands of you so friends i want to say if that's what jesus asks of you if you can't stick it out with a group of strange followers of jesus in a covenant community i don't know if you've counted the cost that jesus is asking you to go to correctly this is, this is part of what it means to surrender to jesus is to say if you're the head and this is your body I want to be connected to you, so I'm going to be a body part. If you say you're going to marry the church one day, she's a bride, I'm going to marry this community and be a part of you transforming her into this perfect spotless bride that you're coming back to marry one day. I'm, I want to be a part of that. And so here's my last mic drop moment. Okay, you ready for this? There are two 
cases, I think, that if I said nothing else, I think these two really, really, really works. There are two more arguments. And that's the fact that the church is called to take communion, the Lord's Supper, the Eucharist, whatever you want to call it, and baptism. We've got to do these things regularly. And actually, those things you can't do on your own. You can't baptize yourself. You need to be in some form of a discipleship relationship, whether it's a leader or whether it's a friend that walks with you. And when you get baptized, it's a public declaration. So many of friends and family members are here today. Baptism is not an individualism thing. You need to be in a church. And communion too, breaking bread. It's a meal. In the early church, when they broke bread, they had full-on feasts, meals together. Jesus, when he broke bread and he kicked it off with his disciples, they were all present there. He didn't like, all right, let's go one-on-one, or you guys take some and just do your thing over there. It's the Lord's Supper is to be done in community. The Bible tells us that we need to examine ourselves before we take of communion because we do sin against one another, and we can't come to the table if we have unforgiveness against our brother and our sister. It's a community thing (laughs) that the church needs to do. So, you know, if you are a proper Christian, you should be baptized. You know, people often ask, how many Christians are in your church? It's, I think it's, it's a measurable one again, as, as many as are baptized, I would say. <laughs> okay? Because you need to be a Christian to get baptized. And you need to be a Christian to take communion. And you can't baptize yourself. Someone needs to baptize you. And you're not supposed to take communion when you're lonesome. And I think those two are pretty good arguments. That's what Jesus said we should do. When we come together and and we see in acts chapter 2 that's what they did when the gospel was preached people were baptized and they broke bread and they were devoted to one another they shared everything and everything in common what an incredible description and so you know i think it's very appropriate that today we are baptizing people who are saying i'm all in for jesus and what it also looks like is as as i know the journey that these individuals have walked with community members it's a beautiful picture of the church and discipleship and the transformation that jesus makes and does in people's lives and so they are saying they're all in and i'm asking you if you're here today and you're a follower of jesus and you're not part of a church i'm i'm exhorting you man i think you should be i do think you should be i think saying all into jesus must include that you're also finding yourself all in in a community not because it ticks every little box of your preferences but because you said for better or for worse i'm going to serve jesus through serving his body Okay, so that's it. What are those five things that makes you a city gator? You can put them up on the screen, Liam. We don't want people to not make eye contact with me. No, not that one. The, the white slide. Thanks, my bud. It, number one is you submit willingly. You attend regularly. You serve practically. You be community. And you give financially. I would love for every single person with integrity can go, yeah, I'm partnering with this church. I'm a member of this church. And then if you're here today and you don't follow Jesus, our desire is that you would, is that you would have heard the gospel, the good news, the invitation that God is giving you and His Son Jesus and the free gift He's offering you. That You don't have to do anything to impress God. He's done it all for you. All He asks you is that you believe Him, is that you receive Him, receive what He offers you today. We'd love for you to break bread with us. We'd love to baptize you one day. Come talk to us if that's you. Let me pray.